Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I'm an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. And Leon is getting larger. You've been threatening to do that for a while now, haven't you? Yes, I have. (laughs) So today's episode comes to us courtesy of a little listener mail. This listener mail comes from John, and John says... Hi, guys. I hope this email goes through. I didn't see a contact email on your webpage, but I always hear you announce it at the end of your podcasts. It got through, John. First of all, I love (laughs) listening to your podcast. You guys are great, and the subjects you discuss are also. Keep up the good work. My question is in regards to Google Maps traffic overlay. I usually check it before I leave from work in case I have to take an alternate route due to a traffic problem. I'm wondering how Google can display how the relative speed is of a particular stretch of highway or road. Do they use cameras? Do they measure cell towers handing off phones? Do they rely on people calling in? Google seems to have a lot of public information gathered in one place, but I don't know how they got their real-time traffic data. If you've already done an article or podcast on this that I've missed, just please direct me in the right direction. It'd be great to hear an answer on the podcast, of course. I am really interested in the answer, so any way you can help would be appreciated. Keep up the great work, John. Thanks, John. You want you want to know the uh, fascinating thing about that, John? Is uh, they're getting it from you? Yes. Um, actually, if you're using a <laughs> well, any kind sort of, of if you're using any kind of cell phone that happens to have a GPS receiver in it, and uh, also is using Google Maps with the my location option turned on, you are contributing to the information that Google is using to generate those traffic overlays. And that's pretty cool. Well, it depends on how you look at it. You might be afraid. Uh, for example, that, hey, wait a minute. So I have Google, uh, maps for mobile turned on on my phone. I thought I was just checking out the traffic. You mean they're taking information from me? Uh, Google actually would, would say not to worry too much about that because they are, they're not really taking any identifiable information from you. However, they are, um, they are also taking pains to mix it in with other information, uh, taken from other customers. So, uh, don't worry so much. You're uh, you're not being peeked upon, and they weren't aren't following you on your way to work, right? Um, Probably. Let, let's give an <laughs> overview of exactly what's going on here, so that yeah. we can kind of discuss where the the concerns come in, and uh, and how Google has decided to try and meet those concerns. Because you you raise a really good point, Paulette. I mean that there is a privacy issue here. What if you're not driving to work? What if you're driving to say I don't know? Maybe you're driving to the hospital. And you don't necessarily want people to know that you have to go to the hospital. You know, it's none of their business. It's your business. Mm-hmm. And the thought of, well, does this mean that there's some technology tracking my every move and that if someone were clever enough, they could figure this out? Um, we'll, we'll get to that. So generally what's going on is when you're using these, these devices, the GPS receiver is what is, uh, is identifying your location. Mm-hmm. Um, now they can use cell towers to try and approximate your location. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's usually within about a, well, it's, it's not really that accurate. You know, it's, it's several dozen meters, uh, at, at the, at the, at best when you're talking about just cell towers. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas GPS, you're talking about a few hundred feet max. Um, so cell towers, not that great when you're looking at trying to, to figure out, uh, uh, 
the traffic patterns of a particular area because if if it's narrow enough, theoretically, you wouldn't be able to narrow it down to a specific street, right? Mm-hmm. Like especially if the city's laid out on a grid, you might be like, well, north-south travel seems to be going pretty well, but we aren't really sure which north-south street this guy's on. Mm-hmm. GPS, however, gives you a much more specific location. So what happens is you've got the GPS system identifying where you are, and then uh, your phone is contacting the self cell towers uh, on a pretty regular basis. Yeah, as a matter of fact, this wouldn't work if you didn't have a phone. If you had just a GPS receiver, you'd kind of be out of luck because a, a typical GPS receiver, just a plain old receiver, is a receiver. It's not a transceiver. It's not sending information back to the satellites. Right. So Google gets the information. Uh, the GPS information is going to your phone, and your phone is contacting the cell towers, and that's how Google's figuring out where you are. Right. And so what happens is it sees – think of your car as just that little dot. If you turn on the My Location, you know, you yes. know what I'm talking about. But if you, if you don't have it, here's what it looks like. You open up Google Maps. You t- turn on your My Location, and then you get a little blue dot that uh, indicates your specific location on the map. As you move around, the little dot moves around. Well, what happens is Google will track how fast you're moving in a, along a particular route and extrapolate from that how traffic must be moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is not really useful unless Google's able to do it with lots and lots of users. Right, because, for example, uh, you could be walking down the street and everybody else is moving quickly. So Google is saying, oh, well, apparently traffic is flowing normally and this other person is doing something else. So right. you, you would be an anomaly in that case because yeah. all the other uh, traffic moving down the street is moving much more quickly than you are. Or maybe your, your car's broken down and you're pushing it down the street. Right. Yeah. So Google could, could ignore you in that case. But yes. if you were the only person in the area who happened to be using this, then Google's conclusion would be, wow, traffic on this street has crawled <laughs> to a, to almost a standstill. Look at how slowly they're moving. So obviously, these sort of systems are really only useful if lots of people are already participating. Yes. Um, you can't just kind of go right out of the gate with uh, accurate travel information. You really do need lots of different uh, participants. Mm-hmm. So Google will look at the, the big picture and the traffic overlay just gives you an indication of how fast traffic is moving along any individual streets. Google is not the only company to take this approach. In fact, there was another company that, uh, that, some people in the tech industry were really, really excited about that were, they were producing GPS units that, uh, that seemed really innovative and used this kind of feature where customers who used that, that GPS unit were contributing to the overall information about the uh, city's traffic. Yes, yes. I was actually one of those people because I saw the, uh, the company's technology at CES 2008. And, uh, was really, I, I was thinking how cool it was that they had a way to, uh, to identify the businesses around where you were and give you an idea of what was going on because, uh, the information from the GPS receiver was blended with internet and you could see you got sort of a, um, um, augmented reality effect, really. Right, right. So, and uh, I assume we're talking about the same company. Let's make sure. Dash. Yep. Excellent. Yep. Well, why? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, listeners, you just got to hear a Renaissance Festival slip up. I said excellent well. <laughs> oh man. I've already been working there for a few weeks, just in case you guys were wondering, and it is starting to seep into my normal speech. So uh feel free to write in and, and chastise me for you doing a festivalism because oh I can't believe I did that. All right, anyway. <laughs> blooper reel. Um the so so yeah, the these two systems work 
very similarly. You've mm-hmm. got a centralized uh, computing system that is collating all this data, right, and then sending it back to the to the individual units. Mm-hmm. But the individual units themselves are what is contributing to the data. It's this kind of interesting circular system. And um, uh, again, let's talk about why you need a lot of people. It's not just for the accuracy; it's also for privacy. Yes, because. Imagine that Google institutes this and there's only one person out there who happens to have the phone that does this. All right. I mean, this is obviously just a a ridiculous example, but let's say that, let's say that Paulette is the only person in the world, uh, or at least the only person in Atlanta, let's say, who has one of these phones and Google has already turned on the system. That would mean that the system would become not a traffic system, but a, Hey, where the heck is Paulette now system? I'm the one, in case you were wondering, I'm the one wearing the red and white striped shirt and the toboggan. Right. He's also carrying a cane. Yeah. Um, so anyway, the, yeah, that, that's why you need lots and lots of people because if you don't have a lot of people, it actually is possible to figure out, oh, this has to be, you know, so and so because he mm-hmm. lives in that part of town and look, where's he going? Oh my gosh. Well, another thing Google does to try and uh, minimize any chance that people would be able to identify a specific individual based upon traffic patterns mm-hmm. is they will erase the origin and destination of any trip. Right. So that uh, what they're looking at is they're just trying to figure out the, the speed of traffic along any particular route. Uh, they're not interested in the starting point or the finishing point. Right. Which is kind of interesting. So that's, that's Google's approach. They're saying, all right, well, we understand your, your privacy concerns, which is weird for Google. <laughs> they don't always seem to be really that concerned. Um, you can ask people who had to, you know, protest Street View, for example. Or Buzz. Or Buzz. That's another really good example about how Google sometimes seems to overlook the privacy issue. Right. Um, but yeah, they really did think about it this time. And as Paulette was talking about earlier, they also try to mix your data in with the data of other users so that it, there is no, you know, individualization in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that, I mean, really that's the, the basics. It's, it's really just data collection and then incorporation into the, the maps application. You know, there may be a, another reason why Google erases the, uh, the destination of the trip. Cause really it's all about the journey. Any way you want it. That's the way you need it, any way you want it. So. Well, and also another reason why you would want it to be private, not just because of where you're coming from or where you're going to, mm-hmm. which is, you know, obviously, like, let's say that you don't happen to know that Jonathan likes on a Friday night to go to the local gentleman's establishment and watch uh dancers. Jonathan doesn't. This is just an example. But if but let's say that you let's say that he did want do that. Well, that would mean that Jonathan would probably not want you to know that by looking at Google Maps. Well, that's not the only thing. The only other reason you might not want this information to be uh, uh, identifiable to you, you might not want people to be able to tell that you're, um, I don't know, speeding down a main drag at a breakneck pace. Yeah. You might not want folks to say, Hey, I, I noticed on uh, Google Maps last night that you were drag racing down Main Street. Um, that would also be a reason why you'd want it to be privatized so that, uh, the, both the, the destination and the speed would be kind of hidden from other people. Right, right. Well, Jonathan, we noticed that you had the company car out last night and you were speeding 45 miles an hour over the speed limit. Yeah, that would have been really awkward seeing as how I don't drive. Um, yeah, I know, but I was just I'd using probably as an actually, example. I'm sure I would end up in a pond somewhere. 
possibly a pool, some body of water. It, the it, pond it, would be good for you, I think. Inevitable. So, yeah. um, <clears throat> wow, how many, uh, how many movie references are we going to make in this podcast? At uh, least one more. Yeah, probably. So, uh, one of the cool things too, um, that I hadn't realized until I had started doing some research on, on the, uh, the traffic feature on Google's site is that, um, Google is also keeping, and this is also a bit of a privacy concern, but I don't, I don't know that this is more so than anything else. Um, that, that Google is keeping track of, uh, historical traffic information. So if you are planning a trip, um, you know, say next Thursday to go to the airport, and you want to know how traffic is on a Thursday morning going to the airport between, say, 8.30 and 10 o'clock in the morning, you can look on Google and try to get a prediction of how traffic will be in the future. It's going to clearly be over the roads because we'll all be driving flying cars. Yes. I'm not going to say it. I came really close to, to making the other movie reference myself, but I'm just going to leave it up. Okay. Where, where we're going, we don't need roads. <laughs> yeah. I told you we were having at that least was, one more. That was, that was the obvious one there. But no, I, I think that's a very useful feature because, uh, uh, it, it just seems like, um, you, you could easily plan a trip that way. Something time sensitive like that, especially is going to, uh, to benefit from having that information. So, um, if you can, uh, if you're not concerned about the privacy feature thing, um, you know, there are lots of people who are going to be concerned about it, regardless of what the company tells you. Sure. Um, you know, then, then it can be useful to have that information and contribute to everyone else's overall, uh, knowledge of traffic patterns over, you know, uh, the recent past few minutes, you know, as far as traffic is concerned, but uh, also in the, as in the, in terms of a historical sense. But, uh, you know, Google's not the only one who does this. No, no. Like we said, Dash does it as well. <laughs> mm-hmm, and, um, mm-hmm. and some systems incorporate other elements as well, not just, not just the, uh, user traffic or user experience, but they'll incorporate things like if, uh, uh, th- they might have a report about a big event that's mm-hmm. going on downtown. Sure. And will automatically factor that in when, uh, routing your trip so that way you don't end up going through a street that's been closed off for that day. Yeah. Or uh, even some might even uh, incorporate weather reports. Yes. Um, the more advanced you get, the, the the more information they'll they'll bring in to, uh, to factor these things in before you go on a trip, which is really kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of them use a system completely different from Dash and Google. Oh, yes. Which definitely. Um, one of the, the things, a lot of them, uh, the GPS receivers that are not phones, they're just the – just the GPS receiver. Yeah. They'll also have a, a second receiver in there besides the GPS signal mm-hmm. to, uh, to accept traffic message channel signals. Oh, sure. Now the traffic message channel is, uh, that's a way of, of sending traffic, real time traffic information out, usually over an FM signal, but you can also do it over satellite. Mm-hmm. Um, and you send that out to subscribers to your service. So various companies have their own specific frequencies like TomTom Tom has its own frequency in various cities, that kind of thing. And the, uh, what will happen is it'll, the company will send the, the real time traffic information out. And so your GPS will update automatically. Uh, and this way, if let's say there's a, a big wreck on, uh, one of the highways, it'll come back with that information and give you the chance to reroute, you know, in the middle of a trip. Um, there are some problems with this technology in that a lot of the companies that use it, uh, they, they kind of have their system laid out on a grid. Mm-hmm. And so, 
because it, that's just the way the maps are. So when they have to mark down where an incident occurs, because it's a grid, it's not, it's not terribly precise. It's not like you can put a thumbtack exactly where the incident happened. You, you get an approximation. Right. Sometimes that approximation is wrong because let's say that there's an incident that's at an intersection and it may mean that one road leading into that intersection is affected, but the other three aren't. Well, if the, the uh, grid isn't exactly placed at the intersection in the proper way, it may show up as affecting the wrong road. So your route may say, oh, well, you can completely go this way. There's no problem here. It's unaffected, when in reality, that's exactly where the problem is. Right. So it's not as precise as it needs to be. Uh, it's not foolproof, in other words. Right. Meanwhile, you're cursing because you got stuck in traffic somewhere. Right. You wanted to turn left and you, cl- you know, the road's completely closed and you thought the road to the right was going to be closed, but it's fine. Right. Yeah, you know, that's very irritating. <laughs> um, going back to something that you had said earlier, mm-hmm. uh, talking about incorporating uh, weather and, and different events. Of course, a system like that, it involves human interaction. Um, yeah, it's not completely, <laughs> completely computerized. Um, traffic cast is one of those companies that, that does that. And they, uh, um, they actually are the company that provides Yahoo with its, um, service that's, that you can see on the Yahoo maps website. Um, and one of the things that, uh, that has improved about traffic information in general, I think is that, uh, both systems, both Google and uh, the traffic cast system used on Yahoo and, and other sites, uh, is that they're starting to show information for arterial streets as well, not mm-hmm. just the major highways. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's done, uh, traffic cast, traffic casts system is done in a, uh, is handled partially, you know, through human interaction, um, partially through other kinds of sensors. Like for example, they have the, uh, they use the remote traffic microwave sensor, uh, which tells her whether or not you're making burritos in your car. Wow. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That, that was my wrong notes. No, it, uh, oh, <laughs> I was really disappointed it, there. Uh, no, not so much. Uh, no, it's a traffic sensor that, uh, uses microwave signals to figure out what's going on. It can actually go across several lanes of traffic, uh, to identify, uh, the number of vehicles and their speed, um, either, you know, from the side or from the front. And, uh, it can, uh, as a matter of fact, it can monitor up to eight lanes, according to the information, um, from Traffic Cast's website. But, um, you know, it can, it can get an idea of how fast you're moving. Now that's, those are stationary. It doesn't right. work the same way as having the, the, uh, the GPS system, uh, through the maps function in your phone. Um, it doesn't get an idea over the, the same thing. So they have to have a, they use a number of collection methods, including, right. including right. using, uh, GPS, but it's, uh, it's kind of neat too that they, they're able to do that. And they're also in contact with the local governments who have, uh, cameras and other, Systems set up so that they can monitor traffic. So in general, I would say it's a lot easier to get an idea of what your commute's going to be like before you leave than it was just a few years ago. I mean, because it, it seems to have come a long way in a very short period of time. Right. They've, they've got a much more comprehensive list of uh, data collection mm-hmm. sensors and, and, and methods. It's beyond just the users, which that's a good, a good thing. I mean, I, I remember when, uh, when I first started getting into the the working world and I was looking at at traffic reports things like that uh really the only the only information you had were uh, came from uh, uh cameras that were placed along certain highways yeah and you could look, get a live look at what the traffic was like and you would get an approximation of the traffic it would you know show up green yellow or red yeah but it was all like the main highways it was none of the surface streets yeah and uh and this is this is 
much more useful for most people, I would think, because it gives you a, a better glimpse of what traffic's like throughout the entire neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah, or, you know, then, then you got the other option, which is the uh, traditional, uh, traffic copter five, uh, over the main thoroughfare. Yeah. Was that on episode of WKRP? Anyway. He, just, he started <laughs> pounding his own chest because their cop <laughs> chopper was, was, uh, on the fritz. Yeah. Exactly. Quite possible. I, I, I'm I sorry. I had a traffic copter. Was the, I zoned was the out. Joke. I, I had, uh, I had the, the flight of Valkyrie playing in the back <laughs> of my head. Charlie, oh, don't surf. Yeah. There's another one for you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, well, the, I think that, I mean, that pretty much wraps up all the information I have because this, this topic is, is fairly cut and dry, especially for a test yeah. stuff topic. Yeah, it is. But, um, but it was kind of fascinating to me once I started looking at the other ways that they measure traffic and explain some of those weird beige boxes that they have on sure. some of the, yeah. the, uh, the poles along the side of the road. Right. Um, you know, I'd always wondered what some of those are. And I know that there are other things too that they use, uh, you know, like air, uh, pollution detectors and things like that, that they, that you'll see on there. But, um, some of the boxes, uh, the next time you go for a drive, some of the boxes that you see with a little solar collector next to them, maybe, uh, using microwaves to, uh, uh, check your car's speed and position out to, uh, help the traffic people identify whether the roads are clear or not. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's neat stuff. And I really do like the idea of crowdsourcing your traffic information yeah. because, I mean, when you think about it, that's going to – assuming that enough people are using it, that's going to give you probably the most accurate big the big picture view of what traffic's like going – you know, how it's going in a city. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, it, again, it will depend entirely on whether people feel comfortable participating or not. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I, I totally guess, get that. I guess uh, that, that pretty much wraps that up. We'll – Go on to our second round of listener mail. And this listener mail comes from Jaden. And Jaden says, Hey, Chris and John, I just listened to your cyborg episode and wanted to tell you about something I read. I read about a girl with some sort of degenerative eye condition. She got a mechanical eye implanted where a normal eye would go. It had a camera and connected to her optic nerve. It was pretty cool. Just wanted to say that I love the podcast and to keep them coming. I hoped you could maybe tell me about space shuttle tech or do a podcast on it. I'm only 13 and love tech, so I want to know everything about it. Please let me know. Thanks again, Jaden. Well, Jaden, we do have the space shuttle technology on our list O topics, so it is on the list for us to tackle, along with about 150 other topics. But uh, we are determined to hit them all eventually. And... um as for the the cyber cybernetic eye, uh, I've heard of an artist who wanted to have a camera implanted in a, uh, a prosthetic eye. She is missing an eye, and she thought it would be an interesting way to capture images from her point of view, about as literally as as possible. Yeah, and um, even uh, programming it in such a way where she could control the method of capturing images by certain blinks. Hmm. Like if you blink twice, and then suddenly it's it's capturing still images instead of video, that kind of thing. Uh, she had put out a call for engineers to try and help her with this. But uh, from the last I had checked, uh, it still has not be- become a completed project. And also this was not connecting to her optic nerve at all. It was merely to capture images and then you would you know, then upload the images to a computer. Mm-hmm. And there's also a filmmaker who's trying to do something similar where he wants to have a camera uh, implanted in his eye socket so that he could shoot a film, um, from his own point of view. Same sort of thing though. Again, not 
connecting to his brain in any way, uh, just connecting to an outside source and, or an outside uh, recording device. And then, um, his brain would eventually get around to seeing it when he watched the playback. Mm-hmm. So interesting ideas, uh, not, not really cybernetic in the sense that it's not enhancing their own abilities. It's really, it's really just a, a new way to hold a camera if you really want to think about it. Yeah, that's true. But still kind of cool. Yeah. And also scary. <laughs> Come with me if you want to live. All right. Well, that wraps up this discussion of tech stuff. If you have any questions, comments, you have uh, uh, some topics you would like to suggest and have us add to the list of topics, write us. Our email address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. If you're a tech stuff fan, be sure to check us out on Twitter TechStuffHSW is our handle, and you can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash techstuffhsw. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. And be sure to check out the new TechStuff blog, now on the HowStuffWorks homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?